Hello, my name is Hannah Reeve. I'm the founder of Nature Nurtures, where we help social entrepreneurs, passionate teachers and early years practitioners to set up their own outdoor nurseries and projects for children around the UK. Here on the road that led us here, I interview pioneers in education about how they built their businesses and the journey that brought practitioners to their roles in working with children. Joining me today are Rachel and Kim from the Homestead Nursery, a Reggio-inspired outdoor learning setting in beautiful Wales. What is clear to me is that both of these women hold research-informed practice dear to their hearts. They have set about opening the homestead, coming from their roles as early as teacher. And Kim, you were a nurse and health visitor previously, I think. This makes for a really wonderfully unique setting for young children with a firm foundation and knowledge of child development. So Rachel, could you tell us a bit about how you and Kim met? How did this come about? Our daughters are actually friends. They've been friends since they started a local play group. Uh, we both live in the same village, so we knew of each other before because we're the same age and live in the same area. But yeah, our daughters met in play group when they were about two. Two, yeah. And they've been best friends ever since, really. So they've gone through school together. They're now 20. <laughs> yeah, so we've known each other for quite a long time. But then when I was teaching and then when Kim was obviously health visitor, we used to meet up, go for coffees, moan about different things that were happening in our professional lives and found that they were really similar moans, even though we were totally different backgrounds. We used to go to the gym and go to different classes and have the same moans. One day had an idea that we might actually do something about it, do something positive and set up our own place. You came to some training, didn't you, as well? I did um, the Solihull Approach training and uh, Rachel came to some of that because we used to talk about it. And then we were saying about the frustrations, which, you know, even though the research is out there, what we should be doing with children, it still really isn't happening. And we just kept saying, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if we could create a place for children that would be their best day and just having a great time, but really focusing on their development, the nurturing, that side of it. So that sort of fed into it, I think, a little bit as well. And then we got way too excited and make lots of plans, <laughs> meet, meet up and make lots of plans. I think it was sort of a couple of years, well, a couple of years, really. But then particularly in the last sort of yeah, year, definitely. really, we sort of talked more and more about it. And then I think it was a bit because we were both quite positive people. And rather than just moaning about stuff, we actually wanted to do something proactive and but it was like, you know, where on earth do you start? Because we were both obviously in professions where we couldn't change things. I worked for an early intervention service. So I moved there thinking, wow, this is, you know, the way forward. But then realized very quickly that even though it's early intervention really wasn't happening, which was really, really frustrating as a practitioner. And then again, I think Rachel always used to say she felt she was sort of fish going the wrong way down the stream or down the river. No, I was a fish in the wrong in ocean. The, in the wrong ocean, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and swim in the wrong way. I always felt like what I did day to day was amazing. I used to love teaching, love working with the children, but just always felt that I wasn't in the, the right place wherever I went. Um, so to do something of your own that you really, really believe in is amazing. It's just taken a bit of a journey to, to actually get here. Luckily, I knew somebody from the school that I was teaching in who knew the previous owners of the nursery that we're at now and said that they might be interested in retiring and selling their nursery. So I approached them, came to have a look around at the setting, and that was the next stumbling block, really, because obviously the asking price for the the setting as it was, the business and the goodwill, was just 
huge, much bigger than we'd even thought it would be. But then we um, we put an offer in and we asked Business Wales for their business support. And an advisor came out, put us in touch with different um, financial advisors and a, a bank manager who's been with us from the very beginning in Barclays, who was really, she got our passion. She understood what, what we wanted to do and really supported our project. So we're just really lucky, really, that we met the people that we did because they really supported us. Obviously, we didn't have any business knowledge before. Um, so we really relied on people for that support and their knowledge and experience. And we were really lucky to meet some really good people through Business Wales, really, and through the um, through Barclays. We have some money ourselves, not a great deal of money. I borrowed family money. I think you were the same as yeah. well. So we had a small amount that we could put down as a deposit. So the majority was going to be a commercial mortgage, which was really tricky to find for the amount. Because we had no previous experience of being business people. So we didn't so have that any was, accounts yeah. or any records. Obviously, it wasn't based on the previous setting. But we worked with Barclays and also with, they're now called Development Bank Wales. But they were um, we were put in touch with them by Business Wales. And they sort of do startup finance so it's they would top up the commercial mortgage so that the bank weren't taking as much risk. So it was a much higher rate for, for the Development Bank Wales loan, but it was sort of a short-term loan to start us off. And they also gave us extra money as set up, obviously, that we had to repay. But their advice and experience was also invaluable because by borrowing additional money as set-up money, it really helped us to start off and start on our feet if we hadn't have done that, if we'd have done that on our own and not taken additional money, so not listen to, to the advice that we had. I think it's all about finding, well, just asking people, asking for their experience and knowledge and really listening and taking that on board. We had some, we actually kept some to make sure, because obviously before we started running the nursery, not having any business experience, it was really important to make sure that we knew exactly how much was going out with the wages, with the food. We were really on top of everything at the very beginning. So we had a little bit sort of to sit on to make sure that if we went wrong with anything, um, we weren't going to be going into an overdraft. So we didn't really have to worry about our finances at the very beginning. We could just really focus what our knowledge and experience was, which was actually setting up the, the childcare element and spending time actually in the, the room spaces, which was really, really important for starting out because if we hadn't have done that, our nursery wouldn't be what it is today and we wouldn't have been able to do that if we were worrying about our money. So we also bought, bought resources. But also um, I think it was general because um, rather initially we weren't sure whether to sort of start nursery and then start changing things as we went along. Mm -hmm. But then we decided that because it was so different to our approach, we needed to sort of set it, set the bar how we wanted it from day one. So it did mean sort of completely, it was a bit like DIY SOS. We um, had the keys at six o'clock on the Friday night, came in, and then we had Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, bank holiday, Monday to uh, take up carpets, put laminate floor down, decorate the rooms, going from bright colours to sort of all very neutrals. Neutral. Totally different resources because it was all yeah. plastic, really well resourced with lots and lots of different, quite dated well, furniture equipment and, and yeah. equipment. So it was totally, we totally replaced the equipment and the equipment that we use, it's mostly everyday objects. So it's not really, it's not, it wasn't an expensive outlay, but it was, like you say, a DIY mm -hmm. SOS. We literally changed everything. So the staff who finished on the Friday, Friday yeah. came into a brand new setting and the children, obviously. 
um, came into a brand new setting on on the Monday morning. On the Tuesday. The Tuesday, sorry, yeah. yeah. It was a huge challenge, I think, bigger than we perhaps anticipated. I think, naively, I know for myself, I thought they would have a really strong sort of understanding about child development, etc., which it was very evident from day one that they didn't. Again, it was a very different style. It was they were it was very regimented. It was very sort of, you know, at this time the children all get their nappies changed and we're then trying to explain about being child led and what that meant. So there was an awful lot of changes in the beginning that I think was a bit of a shock to their system. Also, I think previously they did rely on sort of, you know, screens, tellies, things like that quite a lot. And then suddenly we were asking them to set up these lovely inviting invitations and sort of engage with the children, support them with their learning, you know, doing different things they'd not done before, like heuristic play, lots of loose part play. So I think it was a real challenge for them. And it was a shame that we hadn't had any opportunity really to spend lots of time with them beforehand to perhaps do some of that work beforehand i think though that with was hindsight that, that would have been amazing but until we actually started i don't think yeah, that had they would have well, had yeah. that understanding you know that we we had a very different approach so with hindsight it would have been amazing to have that time but as it was it did it was nice that they could actually understand what we were talking about as soon as we started so we've had to spend an awful lot of time mm-hmm hands-on in the room I know when we first started at the very beginning we set up different routines we used to be in the rooms all of the time so we were members of staff and we were modeling our expectations really but I think again with hindsight that was really good that set up um staff so that they had a really good understanding of, of our approach and the why behind it as well because we had time to to talk to them about why rather than just introducing something that they didn't see um that they didn't understand we could talk about that while we were working with them i think the great thing was though which of those original staff we've still got 12 of them which you know because you hear different stories where people have a mass walk out all the staff leave or you know they start from scratch and things like that where and, and I'm, guess, I'm guessing the ones who went were perhaps the right ones to go. Uh, perhaps they did; they weren't going to sort of understand our approach or, or quite get our approach because obviously everybody's very different. But I think we've been fortunate with the ones that they've really, we've done lots of sort of training and things like that, that they really have taken it on board and sort of going with it. And often yeah, they really say now, it, oh my they? gosh, I can't believe if we look back what it used to be like. You know, they didn't do messy play. They didn't do outdoor play really much at all I remember one of the girls came in to us and said oh, the sand in the room and we're like yeah and oh no what are we gonna do you know what if they get it everywhere we just brush it up that's fine you know and we were really like shocked it's like yes that's fine it's okay we've put it there you know and so I think they were quite horrified and some of them I think used to look at us and think oh my gosh, who are these two mad women who've come and ruined our lives, you know? <laughs> well, as but well, we laugh we about have... it with them now, obviously, but... <laughs> with the provision <laughs> that we've set up, yeah. The provision that we've set up, obviously all of the children can access that at any time. And that's what staff really struggled mm. with as well. It's like they, re- they want to play with everything that's on the shelves. It's like, that's fine. They can access that whenever, what, everything. Oh, well, what if they want to play with everything? Well, you just need to support them to, to do that and to take their time. 
So it has pre- been yeah. a really big It's been big a learning change. curve, hasn't yeah. it? A big change for them. Bless them. I think they've been very patient, a lot of them, with us. And again, we, you know, we say to them, we try something. If it's not working, we review it and we change things. Whereas, as I think before, that's perhaps an approach they didn't really do much reflection and they just did what they did whether it worked or not. And again, I think before they were very much, they had boxes that they brought out for half an hour. Then they put all that stuff back that rotated, that went to another room and they had a different box. So suddenly, like Rachel said, having access to everything all the time, it was a huge change for them. You know, it was a big shock. (laughs) Also, we've been able to tailor our training. So all our training is in-house. Obviously, we do it ourselves because that's our backgrounds. So it's been really nice to develop training that's really specific to what we've seen, to what our the skills that our staff have, because obviously they are skilled in different ways, and then to try and um, support their understanding, develop their child development knowledge. That has been really nice, designing yeah. training for them, so we know that what we would like them to spend their time on, on understanding, they, they really have. Some of the training that we've run has been specifically loose parts, Um, resources provision invitations but then we spent time on obviously solihull approach brain development um, nurture and well-being attachment attachment theory so that's been really good to be able to design that that's really really special and really unique and i think is important to bigger nurseries like yours as well if you can bring in that in-house expertise and knowledge you'd be mad not to make use of it and i do i take my hat off to you because it is no small undertaking i think a lot of people think well you know starting something from scratch versus um taking over something they both have their pros and cons but i do think taking something over is huge because you're having to turn around an entire company culture so even the way that you manage people have got to understand and respond to you and trust and respect you and that takes time doesn't it with staff and then also you're but also the parents expectations as well there was a real challenge in the beginning where, you know, we had, we only had one or two that actually left because they didn't like, you know, the children that their coats were dirty or their, you know, they were muddy or, or whatever else. And even though we were trying to explain what we did, why we did it, they just didn't understand that. And then in the end, they left, which was probably the best thing for them because obviously we weren't for them. So now with new families coming in, I will always, I think my first thing is always, I will say to them, if you don't like messy play and outdoor play, we're not for you. You know, your children will not come home pristine and, you know, in in beautiful sort of outfits, sort of nice and clean, that won't happen, you know. So I think we're very honest from the day one so they know what they're buying into and I think there's more and more parents now who have a greater understanding of the benefits of outdoor play and a lot of them will say well do you know what I I hate messy play at home but you do it there as much as you want so I don't have to do it at home so you've got that group of parents as well which you know as well so, so that's good. I know before we started we were really concerned with how we were going to communicate with parents and because there wasn't anything in place at the at the existing nursery um, and we spent quite a lot of time looking at different apps um, for invoicing because obviously we needed a business management system as well. And we didn't really want to pay for a business management system and then a parent communication system on, on top of that at the very beginning. And we went with um, family. I don't know if you know of them. They've actually been amazing. That's really, really made the difference to Huge us. Huge amount, yeah because of the communication that we have with parents. So staff are able to communicate. Parents love the fact that they can have 
photos that they feel involved in the day that they can message staff at any time it saved staff an awful lot of time because they used to do handwritten books before we started with handovers to pass on like food and nappies, nappies as, dirty nappies things as well as like a an outline of the day well we can actually do that in photos it's just really quick just to upload a photo and a little message um it's just made a huge huge difference and obviously we can actually speak to parents so even though we're not in the rooms daily perhaps they can always message us so we're always approachable because i feel like we've really grown obviously from as we were saying from um 67 to 146 but it's really important to us that it's personal Mm. it is a family and we don't want to lose that element even though we've grown and that's really helped us to do that and i think also whereas before um, we only had the one main building so everybody accessed it through the front door so we would see everybody all the time whereas now our site we've got sort of buildings off site um in in our land and so you know the our main building is like our under threes and then our three pluses are outside in different log cabins etc um so often I just feel, you know, we don't see all the parents all the time. So having that, the family app is, is really helpful, you know, to keep in touch with people. Yeah. But generally, as we've got bigger and bigger, what we've tended to do now is sort of separate it a little bit, not fully, but I tend to sort of deal more with the sort of tiddlers, what are our youngest children, our babies, because that's sort of my area of expertise. And Rachel tends to do the older children, the preschool children, because obviously that's her expertise. And so, and that's made it a little bit more manageable, I think, as well, just because the sheer numbers and just trying to make sure that they're getting all the information they need and um, and save us duplicating and, and things like that. It's just trying to sort of split it a little bit. It's a lovely plug for family. I think they'll be chuffed to hear you speaking so highly of their app. Um, so that's really good. It's good to hear that's been really helpful for you guys. So how big is the site? Because just so we were talking before we started uh, recording and yeah, you, so you, you bought it and you had 67 children and then you've now got over 100, you're registered for 146. So how big is your site? Just over three acres. So there's the main building. And then at the top, we did used to have a big staff car park, which quite soon we built a log cabin, which originally was a classroom. That's where we're standing now. So we've yeah. got, um, it's called our Kutch, and that's our sort of canteen, our eating space. Obviously, with COVID, not all the children come in here now. It used to be used for everybody at different times, but we don't share spaces currently. Yeah, we can't really show you. It'd be lovely to see, but obviously people who are listening. I can see a lovely, it looks like it's a lovely wooden style because you've got that, those lovely natural wood tones uh, behind you up on the reef. Oh, the COVID test. <laughs> That's our view currently. Oh, wow. Stunning. So you've got real wood floors there. Then you've got some lovely round tables. You've got the beautiful, is it community playthings chairs there you've got as well? No. They're actually the new factory. The new factory um, in Northampton are the company that have done all our renovations and and building. Um, Tom Shea and his... His company are absolutely amazing. They've worked with us to make us make our ideas come to life. Oh, fantastic! So you've got you've got an excellent use of space. Oh, fantastic! So easy to wipe up, put away, and then you, that space becomes versatile. Because no doubt that's an expensive investment. So when you have expensive investments like this with buildings, you want them to multi-use as much as possible and 
you've got beautiful double doors with windows that open out onto some really lovely green space by the looks of it yeah that's right well you can see down the drive and then there's the staff car park at the bottom now we've got a dip with a abandoned rocket. abandoned rocket and a boat <laughs> with their different play spaces for all the children obviously at different times um and then outside at, at the side of of our coach um you go up into our forest school um and we've got a forest school cabin that forest school children use as their base and then we've got a cabin that um accommodates 60 children they're our oldest children it's split into two different cabin rooms um, so we've got our discoverers who are our early education children and then pioneers are our school nursery age children. So we have children who stay with us, don't go to school nursery. And then we also do school pickups as well. But that's our busiest bit at the moment, mm-hmm. um, obviously, with school closures. Yeah. Um, but we've had lots of children who've chosen to stay with us to um, the oldest children go to forest school daily. And that's obviously what parents really want for their children. I think definitely right now, right? We've also got some shipping containers as well, attached which have created new spaces as well, one on the main building and one next to this, which is, it was a staff room and then it changed to, um, at the moment, our Welsh provision kill space. Our Welsh provision space, but we haven't been able to start our Welsh provision yet just because... Uh, we're mixing children from different rooms and we've chosen not to do that just at the moment with lockdown restrictions. And So it's really hard to describe without you being able to, to see it. It sounds like it's a, so it's a huge operation. So just so I make sure I understand, we can picture it a little bit. How many cabins do you have on those three acres? We've got what our coach that you, we're in at the moment and then we've got one, two, three cabins so our discoverers and pioneers and our forest school so it's a big l-shaped cabin and it's two classrooms and then one smaller one in forest school in forest school have you been able to add these on as you've gone along or have you had to make an initial investment quite quickly with these buildings we were really lucky because the childcare offer was rolled out in wales early earlier than expected so it was part of our business plan because we knew it was sort of on the horizon but we didn't expect it to be this early not in our Wales anyway and because of the childcare offer there was um, different funding so we applied for capital grant funding to build the cabins for our older children so those have been funded and we've also invested with some of our, our money in the coach space and then the building work in, in the main building so we've changed the provision because obviously that was part of the existing nursery, the main building. We've just added to it. As I said, we work with the new factory with Tom Shea and his team just to make our ideas come to life. So we've had a mezzanine area put into one of the rooms. We've had like an enchanted forest so that the children can hide and they've got different climbing spaces as well. And they've um, got trees replacing um, a wall so um, as part of the Enchanted Forest as well. They've refurbished our atelier space just to make that, because it was just a room, they've made that even more magical um, and put different touches throughout our main building as well. So we've invested in that, but we were lucky to have capital grant funding for for the older children's provision. Like I say, it, it was just timing, lucky timing for us, really. Will you tell us how much you bought the nursery for? We bought it for six. 150,000 yeah so very clearly you've invested on top of that as well and is it something that you want to obviously you have a business plan on your mind and you'll know exactly where you are in terms of cash flow and so forth 
do you think that you've had an impact with COVID as a first question financially? Yes, definitely. We've only we've just reopened this week from a temporary closure due to staff shortages. Two staff had tested positive. Um, they were actually coach staff, not room staff. And obviously the other staff that worked in the space had to self-isolate because More of their shielding contacts. as well. So even though we split into room teams to make it easier if there were any cases that we would be able to shut different parts, the coach is obviously the heart of our nursery because we've got our kitchen and cleaning staff. Um, and that has an impact on the whole nursery. So obviously even just closing for two weeks has had a huge impact on our on our income. The main lockdown as well had had a, an impact, but we had been able to um, apply for funding that has sort of negated that a little bit. I think it's just as time goes on now, looking at our our finances, we would really struggle with small lockdowns. That really impacts our finances because there's no funding available now hence why we're in the kitchen because the staff still aren't well enough to come back after two weeks closure so we reopened so obviously we've been chief cooks and we've been doing all the cooking and just heard today that that'll be next week as well so so we're (laughs) multi-talented and (laughs) multi-skilled so this is what it means to be business owners having to step in all sorts of roles because I was about to say that you're both I can see you're both very hands-on in the business because you're standing there in your aprons <laughs> sorry you're looking a bit grubby <laughs> <laughs> looking lovely oh so obviously nobody could foresee a global pandemic and this has had a huge impact on the sector as well and and on these individual businesses to varying degrees but I think very much as well for these bigger bigger nurseries like yours you know invested as well in a beautiful setting but do you also see on the back of that, are you also seeing more interest because you're very outdoors and it's a very specific ethos? Have you seen that there's maybe a paradigm shift coming in terms of parents seeing the value of this outdoor education for their for their very young children? Well, definitely since reopening from um, the original lockdown in July, um, parents were were we've really grown in our pioneers, our school nursery age children. Um, I think lots of parents have chosen to keep them at nursery rather than send them to school because of our approach. I think we sort of had a bit of a, we're busier anyway, so we have got lots of children who want to stay with us, but I think that we've sort of um, taken some business from schools really just because of our our provision and because of our outdoor space. Um, and then obviously with the schools being closed at the moment as well, the feedback that we've had from parents existing parents is how glad they are that children have stayed with us we've also had quite a lot of contact from parents obviously of children who'd left us to go to school to say they wish they'd have stayed with us and not and taken the back. decision to leave <laughs> and we we have had a lot of inquiries but we are actually full at the moment so that is one of the the impacts that we've seen is mm. that um, we are very very busy with our old children which we're definitely not moaning about at all but because of our approach, because of our space as well, because of our provision, our outdoor. Absolutely. I would think as well because of you both, because ultimately it's you who informs the ethos of the setting, but also your expertise and your experience as well um, in education and outside of that as well. So important. I can see parents really valuing that. And I hope as well as your staff, because it is unique. I think your staff must get excellent training. And I hope they value that because they should. We'll pass that on to them. <laughs> so how many staff have you got now? We've actually got 58 staff at the moment. 
does that include your housekeeping staff or, or are they all practitioners? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's included them. Okay. And what sort of expertise do your staff have? Are they, is it completely across the board or have you got forest school leaders, early years teachers? I was just talking about our team the other day, actually saying how, um, how different they are. And that's, we've done that purposely. So as we've recruited, we have wanted to take on people with different skills to complement different rooms. We try to build rooms of different experience, different ages, different stages, so that it really is a mix for the children. Um, so most of the uh, the staff that we have have worked in nurseries before if they weren't existing staff obviously and that's come with challenges as well because obviously they've got their own knowledge and experience from previous nurseries so it's sort of like unlearning that and then come into our approach um, but we also have mums so parents who've come into nursery and their children have been part of nursery they love being part of nursery so they've asked if they can stay with us they've trained and they're practitioners now we've We've got got, apprentices as well we have quite a lot of apprentices and we sort of like to work with apprentices because obviously we can speak to them about our approach they don't have any previous knowledge of of different settings so it's really good to to speak to them they've stayed with us and obviously really love what they do we have teacher aratelia a former high school teacher who then when she had her children just decided not to go back into teaching and we met on our one of our open days she came to do a um like a messy play play session and just asked if we had any vacancies and she's been with us ever since she's amazing Ali, Tallyrista. We've got other forest school practitioners. Forest school practitioners that we've trained. So we had a a forest school leader who was interested in outdoor provision, but they actually set up forest school was actually just grass. It was just a grass area with a bit of a shed and some lovely oak trees at the bottom. And now it doesn't look like that at all. They've really developed the site. Um, Then we've got four qualified forest school. So we've got level twos and level threes. Some are just about, they just need to finish their um, the work just to qualify fully, but they've completed the courses. We've got um, a lady who used to be a childminder and had decided to retire from childminding, but missed it so much, saw our social media and asked if we had any vacancies. And she now works in our pioneers and loves spending time with the children obviously as part of a team rather than a childminder on their own. I think our staff at our workforce, we're quite unusual in this sector because I think generally you have lots of very young staff, whereas over 75% of our staff are over 25, which I think is quite unusual anyway. Um, And like Rachel said, it's trying to get the formula right in each room so we've got the knowledge, skills, experience. But we've also found that, like, like Rachel said, is when we were recruiting new staff from other settings, you had to almost like unteach them to then you know teach them our way whereas actually having apprentices it was great having them in from the beginning our first two qualified and they only know the homestead way so in a way that's why we were sort of we decided to take more apprentices on just so we could train them our way really that's something that we find as well we, we're a much smaller setting but you know we have particular parts to our approach we have our own ethos obviously and it is a challenge when you're taking on staff and having those unlearn a lot of things and start again and that's not always comfortable for people and sometimes you don't know that until they've started and then you know it's challenging it sort of makes the interview process interesting and with experience adapting that so that you can identify 
people who are much more open to learning, but absolutely apprentices, if they have the right personality. I think that's the strongest bit at the very beginning. If you know that they're open to learning, which apprentices are by definition, you're going to get a lot more value from them, I think, in terms of they're coming round to your particular reef. Who was the driving force behind setting this up? Did one of you have to talk the other one into it or was it very much 50-50? Come on, let's do it together. I think we've both got, obviously, very different, I don't think skill sets, but we're different personalities, aren't we? Mm. So I'm very much, oh, come on, let's do this and don't really think about it. And Kim is the, no, hang on, what about this or what about that? So, but I'm more risk averse, was probably, where (laughs) Rachel's very much, she's the ideas person, I think. She's the visionary. She's the person who says, oh, this will look amazing. Her provisions, the setups are incredible. That isn't my sort of expertise at all. But then Rachel's not the person who does like the HR and the the boring, the sensible bits. So we're a really so, good team. Yeah. Right. In terms of driving this, we we definitely did this together. I don't think. And we say know, we couldn't have done it on our own. No. So yeah. And it might have been that one of us had the idea, but we had to do it as a team. We we definitely did it together. Yeah. Did you set out to take over the world and have 146 children? Was that on, was it, no, <laughs> was that on, the, on the board at the beginning? Yeah. Well, I said that it was a, our business plan. We had the childcare offer included, but we definitely didn't think that that would happen so quickly. And we definitely didn't think we'd have the amount of interest that we have. As part of my experience in school, I've always loved forest school and um, loved outdoor learning. But We didn't know that even though I love it, I didn't know if that would be so popular. And obviously, feedback from parents, it's it's huge. Like everybody loves our space and loves Mm. their children spending time outdoors. So we didn't, even though we thought that it would be popular, we didn't realise it would be so popular. But to this day, we've never actually ever advertised because we kept saying, oh, some point we need to advertise, and and which we never have. And we've never had to. It's always been word of mouth and as well as being full, we've got a waiting list. We've got bookings through till February 2022 already. And it's just, it's been crazy, really. So, because we are in the process, <laughs> we're in the process of hopefully um, acquiring a second um, place, which then, because again, in our business plan originally, we had very clear ideas about what we wanted to do. So, for example, with the younger children in particular, and, you know, from that time of when they, they book their children in, so to when they're pregnant, heart, most of the people now, um, to actually be able to offer some form of um, like antenatal groups, you know, postnatal groups, uh, breastfeeding support groups, all those things that, in particular, that was a lot of the stuff I used to do in my previous role. And because I'm a solid approach trainer and a mind trainer as well, that was my special interest, I guess. And we always said it'd be great to do like weaning groups and you know, all that sort of stuff. And we've just not had time or capacity or space to do it in because, like I say, it's just grown and grown and grown. We may have an opportunity. We're just waiting to hear if it's all going to be finalised, but we're hopefully having an opportunity literally half a mile down the road, a property where we can then split and have our youngest children, our sort of tiddlers and waddlers. Um, But there's also facility there, a separate building where we can then potentially do groups, parent groups, community type things. So that's our sort of next bit of the journey, potentially. Yeah, that's the bit on our business plan that we haven't been able to fulfil. So developing relationships with parents really parents and the community that's what we really wanted to do when we when we set out to do this and that's the bit that's missing so we're hopefully on the journey to make that happen too 
Well, you were clearly looking for something to do. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not very busy. We're very uh, quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic. Okay. So because your approach is so research informed and, and, and with that firm foundation in um, early childhood development and with the expertise that you have, between the two of you, I can see how wonderful that will be for families. And it really is mirroring what was previously like the children's centre type model that you're talking about. So you yeah. have the whole round picture the that the Tories approach, um, isn't it, yeah. as well. Just cut all the funding to, for. Yeah. Yeah. As part of my teaching, I'd actually gone to London and spent some time in different ch- children's centres. And that's what we loved when we when we went to Reggio. That's what we loved as well was the, the fact that you know in in the the Reggio settings we went to, they had the big sort of areas um, piazzas in the in the middle of the the place where they invited families in, and it was a very sort of social sort of the social element of it. And we really liked that element of it. And then I was fortunate enough last year, not last year, the year before. Uh, 1990, uh, 2019, to go to do International Play Iceland as well. So it's been nice just to see different approaches in the early year settings and then just taking bits. Because mm. I, I think even though we're, we're Reggio inspired, I think that we're inspired by it rather than be a full Reggio setting. But there's bits from different elements that we really like that we've brought together for our own approach, really. Let's explain to everyone the time frame of this because it's been extremely fast. So you bought the nursery in 2017, like you guys did not hang around, 2017. So April the 29th, 17, <laughs> I remember it etched in my brain. That was six o'clock when we came in and spent a few night shifts. We opened on the 2nd of May, 2017. Wow, phenomenal. And then, so then in 2018, you went to Reggio. In October, October 18, we went to Reggio, yeah. And did you know it was going to be a red? Did you come into this with a very firm vision of what this nursery was going to be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Strong ideas, I think. I sort of researched Reggio while I was teaching. So it's, I first found out about the Reggio approach when I did my PGCE and was really interested in the invitations that children were always obviously at the heart of their learning, how you could develop their independence by setting up provision and invitations. So it's something I was really keen to research all throughout my teaching and then something that I really, really wanted to encompass in our nursery. But the reason that I really liked um, Reggio settings is that you can't have a Reggio qualification, you can't train in Reggio. Um, It's something that you can go and see and you can take from that what you think really suits your children suits your setting that's the whole mm. idea of Reggio it suits that area and it's really personal to their community but you can go there and you can see what would really suit your community and your space and your children um, and that's what we thought was amazing about mm. about Reggio. You've got to bring that back very quickly and get all of those bits that you liked and install that into your your setting beautifully. I think what was really interesting after the Reggio visit that we we went to, I don't think we learned lots about the Reggio approach as such. I think what for us, it was really good that we came and said, you know what, that's taken them all these years to get to where they are. We are actually only this far into our journey and we're doing quite a good job, which was interesting. And I think some of the times we almost thought, oh gosh, actually we're a bit more Reggio than Reggio. Um, And I think what we understood about Reggio and then actually being there was two different things. 
still really positive, but there was just some different elements that we were surprised by. But also, I think it was great for our practice to actually think we're actually doing okay, you know, with so early on in, you know, and we're, we're sort of novices in it, really. And, you know, we're new in the game. We were actually doing okay. And it was lovely to meet lots of other people, other owners, because we don't really know local nursery owners around here. But it was really great to spend time with fellow um, nursery owners just to see what they do and just build up those sort of support networks as well, which was was really useful. But also it was that boost, wasn't it, of realising actually we're doing okay, (laughs) which was was nice. Did you both fall naturally into those particular areas that you're in charge of? Because you talked about that earlier, like, Kim, I think you're in charge of the HR bits and pieces, the boring bits, as some people like to say. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, so did you fall into that naturally or did it take a little while to find out where your strengths were in terms of those management aspects? I think at the very beginning, it was much easier to do a little bit of everything because yeah. it was so much smaller. But as it's grown, we found that really hard and we've had to choose different areas. And personally, I wouldn't say that Kim would choose the HR and the boring bits, but they're definitely not my forte. And we've sort of, we've fallen into that, haven't we? Yeah. So I definitely am the provision and the ideas person and that that's what I spend my time doing. And then Kim develops into HR and staff management person because she's much more patient. I think, you know, in the beginning, obviously, you know, when we first started, we were sort of a jack of all trades, really. We were really doing a bit of everything. And even now, I'd say with cooks this week, you know, we'll also be, you know, the gardeners, the maintenance people. And I think as we're getting bigger and bigger, it's suddenly realising that we need to, at some point, potentially get to a point where we're delegating work to other people and we can't just do it all ourselves. But I think we've just had a few bad experiences as well, having staff which we thought we could delegate stuff to and then that hasn't really worked out as we planned, which has then made us a little bit like, oh, because at the end of the day, this is our baby. Nobody's going to love it as much as us to do. And it's how do you find those people who will love it as much as we do and do what we want, how we want to do it. And I think we must probably both a bit control freaks. And I think it's difficult to hand stuff over, but also know it's going to be done how you want it doing, which for me, that's what the bit I really struggle with, I think. And, and it's having those systems in place so we can perhaps have eventually somebody who would do HR because it's so time consuming, you know, wages, all that sort of stuff. It's so, so time consuming. And like this week, it's like we're in the kitchen literally full time. And it's what do we do with all the other work? So then, you know, it's just trying to do everything. So we, I think eventually things will evolve and potentially we may find the right people some days. I don't know. I think but. that we've also found out what we are willing to let go and what we're not. Um, and for me, with the provision and the rooms um, and obviously my experiences with the older children, I think that's so, so important. That's what I would be looking for as a parent. That's what I would want parents to, to see. And I really want our children to have the best day every day. And I feel that I can support that by supporting the provision and the rooms. That's my strength. And I don't want to let that go. I don't want to give that to anybody else. Whereas there are other things that I think, right, okay, I'm going to have to let that go. I haven't got time to do that. But it's identifying what is really important to you. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as things grow, that does happen. 
So that's how things have evolved. It does. And the people management side of it is very difficult. And it, it's your baby and everything into this. There's blood, sweat and tears and all the money. You know, it's high stakes and it's not the same for other people. But those people are out there. I think it's a question of sharing your story as much as possible so that people can hear your passion. Oh, it's so difficult. I completely empathise with that. I think that's one of the most challenging aspects. It's all the human relationships that go on in this. People don't quite understand that. It's a very challenging business to be in because yes it is a business it involves money and it involves people's most precious little ones it's very emotive it's but it's also got that money aspect involved and then you'll add to you've got parent children staff it's huge amount of emotional energy and then it, with it being so emotionally charged and financially charged it's it's a bit of a tricky mix i think also it's like huge responsibility because i think particularly you know a couple of weeks ago when we had our first sort of cases you know because we thought we'd be really lucky really through the whole pandemic we'd be so lucky we apart from the three-month closure we had to do last year um, we've not actually had cases at all so we were like wow this is amazing and then we knew after Christmas was going to be a really challenging time but I think it was that massive sort of realization of we are hugely responsible here for 58 staff their well-being their jobs you know everything their about families. that their families you know the children and their families and it's so you know it was that sudden realization even though we sort of always known what a responsibility it is but then that's why we get saying wow, I could never do this on my own. How do people no, do this on their own? You know, how on earth you would do that? I don't know. Over the time that it's evolved, it's we've gone off on our own sort of tangents because obviously we spent time on different parts of the nursery, different elements. But this has really brought us together recently, hasn't it? It's just realising our collective responsibility. And it's been really nice as a partnership as well because you were saying about human relationships obviously different people get along with different people I've got different personality to Kim so there is always one of us that will be able to speak to somebody that they can relate to that we can relate to we definitely couldn't do it on our own I personally could not do it no matter how big a nursery you are small or big or medium whatever you're still going to have all of those relationships to deal with and this is why I always say to people when we have someone who comes to us and they're on their own thinking about it I always ask have you got anyone else you could do this with because it's not something to take on alone I really strongly encourage people to do it together with someone else when you set out on this journey, what were your financial aims? Were you looking to replace your current salary? Because you were both working, weren't you, right up to when you bought the nursery? I remember when our bank manager said to us because the sale hadn't been completed, but obviously Rachel had to give a certain amount of notice because being a teacher, you know, terms notice, a half terms notice was a term. And then obviously I had to give notice as well. I did have some commitments, um, some training commitments and stuff, which I sort of carried on doing. But we then both handed our notices in but our bank manager was I think beside herself we said no don't until it's you know anything could happen but we knew in order to have some time to plan to get ready to because we spent lots of time sort of getting resources together gosh my front room was full of boxes and stuff because we knew we had to stop making some provision ready because it was a matter of once we completed we were in and we were starting and you know running straight away so that was a, a bit of a time and we said, well, do you know what? If the worst thing happens, I can go back and get another job. Rachel would go and get a teaching job and, and, you know, we would work around it. So that was a big risk. And I think that's the most risk, you know, because normally I'm quite risk averse. That was a huge risk. But then we just thought unless we take that plunge, we never will. 
See, this is the reason to do it with someone else as well, because you need the balance of risk averse and risk keen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. just you'd need that balance. But yeah. Looking at the existing nursery that we've taken over and looking at, at their at all of their accounts and obviously not having accounting and business knowledge, mm. it was profitable. We thought that we would probably be able to make the same salaries that we were on. Yeah. And we also thought that we wouldn't have that much more to do and we probably enjoy enjoy it more <laughs> on time with our families there's a, a huge huge workload yeah huge yeah. workload that we haven't need, hadn't even considered even though we th- thought we went mm. into this with our eyes totally open mm. there was a whole bunch of things that we hadn't considered but no financially that was it is just for us to be able to be paid and for us to be profitable not operating at a loss basically that was our aim for our first three years on our business plan. So, we, And did you manage to do that? Were you profitable in your first year, two years, three years? Yeah, we've exceeded all our and our accountants' expectations. Yeah, we're really, really pleased, really, really pleased. I think one bit of advice I would say for new people doing this is to really get some good advice about, because we started off as a partnership and we're still a partnership currently. We're due to incorporate and go limited and that should have been happening over 12 months, but because of COVID, it's all been delayed. And then now with horrendous tax bills, et cetera, we just, we wish we'd have been limited from the beginning. So I would advise anybody sort of going into this is to really get some good knowledge and some sound advice about, you know, whether you should be limited, partnerships, sole trader, et cetera, because I think that was knowledge we didn't really have. And this is our third accountant now, actually. So we had a couple of not great experiences with the first couple. And in a way, we just feel a little bit disappointed we weren't perhaps advised as well as we could have been. And now we sort of paying the penalty for it in a way my advice with that would be to actually believe in yourself because even if you think you don't have business or financial knowledge which obviously we didn't from our backgrounds there were certain questions that we were asking that we thought were silly that different people that had advised us accountants advised us we thought didn't actually make sense but we were too i don't think we were too frightened but we sort of accepted people's advice thinking that they're professionals and they know you best as as professionals it's like always question always question things and maybe take more than one person's advice and then make your own mind up and to trust yourself Mm. so it's fantastic advice what what made you go start with partnership just out of curiosity that was an accountant's advice um, so based on the figures that we had, they thought that that would be the best setup from the beginning. We didn't look into it any further. No, <laughs> I think there was so much going on with everything that that was something, I guess we were a bit naive, didn't even think much about, I guess. But that shows our naivety, I think, in the beginning. I think when you first set up as well, as you said, you're wearing all the hats, you're doing everything. It's a baptism of fire. And you're going straight in there and you're having to learn all those processes like running a business. Never done this before. Where do we start? Got to do accounts. Oh, my goodness. What on earth? Who can we ask to help? Where do we get this money? Yeah. (laughs) Got to do payroll. What? So here's a big undertaking. I just I remember the first two years of setting up ours and just if you've got children, I just wouldn't do it if I had young children. I'll tell you that now, because it takes your life, certainly in those first few years, setting up and actually understanding the business itself and understanding your market, your locality, you know, parents, what actually is this something that they're interested in? And, you know, luckily, yes, they are. There are those people out there. 
it's very tiring those first years and you've, I mean you've, it's just incredible the journey that you've been on it's huge absolutely phenomenal did you know that you had an entrepreneurial streak in you <laughs> no <Who> I has <laughs> yeah I think the fact that you know, if you're willing to take risks I think that does make a huge difference being able to sort of shut your mind off to certain bits so not considering everything for me anyway helps me make decisions because I think if I have too many things to think about I don't actually make a decision whereas if I just base it on that actual scenario I'm more willing to to take risks and yeah. do things I think we both sort of had visions and I think personality wise we're both in our old roles I don't think we were satisfied with being told this is how it's done this is how we do it get on and do it like this and I think because we're both interested in research and stuff like that and it was almost like questioning well actually shouldn't we be doing it like this and I think the frustration sort of being in that position the freedom to be able to come and do it our way was really exciting and also knowing that, do you know what, we're most probably going to make mistakes along the way. Then there's probably we'll do something and then realise actually we need to do something different. And But that's part of learning anyway, isn't it? You always should be growing and evolving. I think it'd be quite sad to be in a position where you think, right, we're done now. We know exactly what we're doing. It stays like this because then that isn't right either because it should always be changing. I think just not giving up. So yeah. I think we were both that kind of personality before, mm. obviously in different ways. Mm. But the fact that we're not willing to give up with just anything accept, yeah. and accept things mm. is a sort of testament to nursery as it is at the moment. So I wouldn't necessarily say we're entrepreneurs. I, I like that. I do like that label and I, I would take that definitely. But I think we're just maybe a bit stubborn. I remember at the very I'm beginning, mad. I remember at the very beginning I bought Rachel a bracelet and she's then had it tattooed on her wrist saying she believed she could. So she did. And I think sometimes it is just having that because I didn't want to live with regret. I didn't want to, because I had a period in my time a couple of years ago, a difficult time in my life. And then my husband had a life-threatening, well, he still has got a life-threatening illness. And it was suddenly that realisation of thinking, do you know what? We could be working in a job where you're not happy. You're doing the same thing day in, day out. You work to your retirement and actually you may not even get to there. And actually, I would hate to live with regret. And then in a way, it was balancing thinking, OK, we could give this a go and it could be amazing. We could give it a go if it doesn't work. OK, all's not lost. I'll go and apply and get another job somewhere else. So I think it was just having that sort of time to think, actually, let's give it a go. What's the worst thing that can happen? And for both of us, we both got sort of um, three children each and um, they're now older, you know, in their 20s. So it was almost like, I don't know how people do it with little children. I, like you said, I really don't know. Even though I think there's still challenges when they're older, they still want you, don't they? But I think it was just that time in our lives had come that, right, OK, we've done our bit, perhaps, you know, bringing up our children and perhaps now is it our time. And we've also, in our previous careers, we've always wanted to make a difference. Mm. And we've genuinely wanted to make a difference. That's why we've yeah. done what we've done. And I think that setting this up has totally fulfilled that because we really do feel like we're making a difference and that we can, if we're not, we can actually do something about it. What would you say to someone who has an idea that they want to set something up? They've had enough of schools. It's not workers. We're seeing more and more of these teachers coming out of schools now. It's a very, very common story. So you've got these wonderful early years teachers that are coming out of school saying, this is too much, this is too much pressure, and it's going down and down and down now. I need to feel empowered. I need to go and do my thing. What would you say to them? Go for do it. it. 
Definitely do it. It's not easy. It's really not as easy as you think. As we said, we thought we were going into this with our eyes totally open. There, there's so much more to to this than you would even believe. But it's so rewarding if you can actually get to this position. It is so so rewarding. But just don't give up. So keep going. And if you really really want to do it, you can. Fantastic. I think, as I said at the beginning of this, I think there should be more and more people doing this. I think it's important. And I think now is the time as well, especially as we see this, what I think is is a big paradigm shift into outdoors for young children, especially, and some of those older children as well. It's never been a better time. And it's so wonderful to hear your story. And I'm very grateful to you for sharing it. It's a fantastic journey. And I'm very excited to see the next steps develop, especially for the infants that you're talking about and supporting families more, that very targeted support breastfeeding support and so forth are absolutely amazing. I'm very excited to follow along. You've got a wonderful uh, social media presence. So I would encourage people to certainly have a look at the Homestead social media pages. You've got a great Instagram. I think that's how we got in touch actually, wasn't yeah, it? Uh, by Instagram. Yeah. yeah, we love sharing our, our stuff on Instagram. We love Instagram because we like meeting, well, seeing different like-minded people and just sharing ideas. Well, Rachel's our social media queen, so she does all the social media. So... <laughs> which I wouldn't have a clue doing that. So Rachel does all that. Fantastic. Do go and check them out, everyone. Um, thank you again, both of you, Kim and Rachel from the Homestead Nursery. Fantastic to speak with you today. Thank you. Oh, Lovely thank to you very much. You. Thank you.